When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast. My name is Mark, and I am your host. No matter who my guest is, I try to connect with each one and make the show fun for them and for me. And sometimes it's easier than others. Mike Squires was one of the most fun shows I've ever done. It was so much fun to speak with. I can see why his podcast Couch Riffs is so popular. We talk about how he started podcasting and recording one take cover songs with his guests. But before we get into that, Mike discusses his difficult childhood, which actually led him to joining the Marines. And Mike hilariously describes his band auditions after leaving the service. He's forced his way into some great bands like Nevada Bachelors, The Long Winters, and Duff McKagan's Loaded. He's released his first solo album, and he tells me why it's called Number 2, why it's in an 8x8 package, why he's nude on the cover, and why every song is 15 seconds long. Give him a follow on socials at the Mike Squires. Buy number two on Bandcamp and check out all the incredible covers on the Couch Riffs YouTube channel, including the Yes song Starship Troopers for Roadie Relief. Follow us at Performance ANX on the socials and you can support us at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or buy some merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. And now I present to you Mike Squires on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network in one take. Hi, this is Mike Squires from Couch Riffs. The funny thing about performance anxiety is I don't get it, but one thing that I do before performing is I poop every single time. It's a science fact. If you see me on stage within the last 10 minutes, I have pooped. The thing is, is I don't even get nervous. It's just a thing and it doesn't matter. I could have pooped an hour before, but I'm not nervous. It's just like uh, some sort of weird poop ritual. Yeah, poop. It is. (laughs) Dad jokes. I just wanted to give you a list and this is in no particular order, but these are the guests that you've had on your podcast that I'm jealous of. So there's Vivian Campbell, Earl Slick, Barrett Martin, Wayne Kramer, William Duvall, 
Paul Gilbert, Terry Date, which I was listening to on the way home today, John Oates, Jeff Schrader, Dweezil Zappa, Mark Ford, Ron Thal, and Greg Gilmore. Those are the ones that I am the most jealous of. Clearly, you are my age. Yes. <laughs> I'll be 49 in June. Yes. <laughs> yeah, clearly, you are, you're not a millennial. No. Oh, um, God, no. Yeah, I've been super fortunate, you know. I never wanted a podcast is the funny thing. And it's still, I look forward to it. But like you were just saying, you recorded three, three podcasts back to back. When we're done, I have a, I have another podcast tomorrow. I have two. And on Thursday, I have another one. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on tour in May and I'm trying to get a way ahead of schedule and April is double stacked. So I, instead of one a week, I'm putting out two a week yeah. because it's a drummer awareness month. Is and, it? Uh, <laughs> and cow trips it is. Um, I like that. And so yeah, it, it's a lot of work, as you know, scheduling, yeah. recording, editing, and, and piecing things together. And you do it all um, yourself, right? I do. Uh, it, I mean, it would be yeah. great if if the podcast was successful enough that I could have someone else do it and, so that it uh, sounded a lot better also. Hey, tell me about it. I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of like one of those. It's like a recording. It doesn't always have to be. A Terry Date production, uh, guided <laughs> right. by voices, gets is makes great records. True, and they sound like a fucking tin can going, you know, going down a, <laughs> a hallway, yeah. just like clang, clang, clang. But it's uh, but it's spirited. That's true. That is true. So what I want to do is find out how you got into music before we even get started into podcasting, because. That's been your main focus for most of your career. It hasn't been the podcast. It's been music. But yeah, from my understanding, your childhood really didn't lend itself to oh, actually a whole hell of a lot. It was pretty rough. Yeah, I had a pretty rough childhood. I don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty open book about it. Yeah, I never felt like yeah. I definitely went through a period where I was I was pretty bummed. Like when I first moved out of the house and I was in my twenties, I was like, "Wait a minute, that was terrible." <laughs> yeah, like that's not how I'm not meeting anyone that grew up like I did. Right, and I, you know, and I had some space, but during the time, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't feel like I was missing out on a ton you know we didn't have anything yeah there was a lot of criminal element around so the things that we did have were all stolen oh wow um but as a kid i was i always loved music we moved a lot and the first you know the last thing to get packed up and the first thing to get unpacked and moved in was always the record player and the records and it just was a huge part of what happened wherever my mom and I were living. And, okay. and during the time when my sisters were with us, you know, them too. And so, you know, I grew up with Fleetwood Mac and Boss Gags and Bob Seeger, basically, right. you know, like Steve Miller, the Crystal Gale, whatever was hot in the 70s, yes. the, the AOR kind of stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. 
that's that was what my mom was into and i had an uncle that was 10 years i mean i still have an uncle he's 10 years older than i am <laughs> he's moved on to listening to new country and and this kind of thing oh, now man. but but when he was a teenager and i was you know six and he was 16 he was listening to fog hat and rush oh. and he had all the kiss records you know he was like he was the target market and i just sort of absorbed his record collection i just dove right in acdc blue oyster cult oh man yeah and i was just you know they were records so you could you could hold the record if it was a gatefold you could open it up it was amazing so i was i was really really into it from an early age i was telling my mother this is what i'm gonna do really oh yeah that's awesome were were you able to take any music lessons or was this just a, like like a dream you had no I, I mean i didn't even know that you had to take lessons i was six <laughs> that's awesome you know i mean well, i was true. just like oh i just get a guitar and and i do that yeah you know it's kind of like walking like you see someone that has a particular walk and you can emulate them right right and i guess i just kind of figured that's how it worked um oh man we couldn't you know we couldn't I didn't, I, I guess I got a guitar once when I was in the sixth grade, but I was just, it, I wasn't ready. By the time ninth grade came along, I was totally ready. But in the fourth grade, I joined the school music program and played trumpet. Ah. And that was, you know, cause you could borrow a trumpet from the school for free. Yep. And, you know, back when schools had a, had an arts budget. Yeah. That's how I started playing music on you know playing the trumpet so music has always been a big part of your life then huge and you mentioned that it was something that you always you wanted to do but you didn't start off doing that now you entered the military you joined the marines was that yeah. before you really started taking music seriously as, as a career um well yeah i i joined straight out of high school okay We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. I, I, the town I grew up in was really very small. There was, you know, 
sort of one campus that had the elementary, the middle school, and the high school on it. Okay. I graduated with 52 other kids. Wow. Um, the, you know, it's the only school in town. It's it's grown considerably, but it, it's still a small place. It's called Granite Falls, Washington. And as you can imagine, you know, I just, uh, I wasn't really, I had one, one uncle was super, super encouraging. He was like, you were, he told me basically lies. You're the best guitar player I've ever heard. You can do anything. You know, he he was super encouraging, but I didn't awesome. believe him because I, I knew it wasn't true. Right. You had records. Most, most of it I knew wasn't true. Yeah. And um, I just, I didn't have a ton of confidence. The idea of, I knew I wanted to live in Seattle, but I just didn't, I didn't know anyone there. It seemed at that time, to drive an hour to Seattle, oh my God, seemed like, you know, uh, an unachievable thing. Yes. Now it's like, I feel like I drive an hour to get gasoline. Oh, that's almost know? my commute to work. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, did, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I didn't, I knew that's what I really wanted to do, but it, it also kind of felt like something that other people did. You know, it didn't feel, didn't feel like something that was altogether achievable for me. Really? Okay. Um, but uh, joining the Marine Corps definitely got me a taste of, I don't know if I would call it the real world, but it was, you know, it was some real part of the world that wasn't, you know, like being a young adult. And you've heard a couple other podcasts that you've been on. So from... What I heard from there, it, the Marines sounded a lot more stable than the house, the conditions you were growing up in. I mean, you had one of your uncles shot oh, your yeah, dad. The, and... You know, gun. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a fact. That's um, insane. Yeah, there was a... The Squires fellas are a fearless crew. They're, <laughs> they're a unique bunch. The, you... I love them. I love, I love those guys. I mean, to my dying day, they're their family but man they had some crazy years they've mellowed out you know they're well, that's they're not up to the same shenanigans <laughs> thank god um, but i you know i had to leave if i didn't leave i for sure would have died or gone to prison or both wow so was music still a thought after you entered the marines were you able to to indulge in that at all while you're in the service I had a guitar. I had a guitar while I was there, a little guitar and an amp. And uh, when and it's the same guitar that I had when I moved to Seattle. Unfortunately, it was a it was a Jackson, and uh -oh. it was it ended up being like the threshold that kept me out of every band audition that I went to. <laughs> oh, and people no. would just look at me, and I'd have my Marine Corps haircut, and just like. I'm not, I was never a skinny, wafy little guy. I was always like, you know, let's lift thing. Let's throw this heavy thing over there. Right. And, <laughs> you know, I've got a little bit of a dim, I'm not, I'm not a dim wit, but you know, like, look, look, I don't, I'm not Chris Cornell. Right. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, you know, I don't know that, that could have played a part in, I just did, you know, I never looked cool. I never looked grunge. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've told the story before, but I showed up 
for one audition and they just they opened the door and looked at me and said no and closed the door <laughs> <laughs> oh god not even hearing a note Jeez. no it was i mean whatever that's those are great experiences and look at me i i did fine yeah those guys i don't know what you know, I don't know who they was probably Candlebox for all I know. <laughs> who, who fucking knows? But after you left the core, you got some interesting jobs before you really started getting your feet into the music industry. My friend you? Jeremy from Granite Falls, he he had he was a little more adventurous than I was, and he had some family friends and stuff in West Seattle. So he he had moved to West Seattle and had this apartment that he lived at with his girlfriend and he worked at a cemetery and he got me a job there. So I came back to Seattle, to Washington, moved straight to Seattle. And, you know, I think the next day or two days later, I started a job as a grave digger. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which <laughs> is another good, like a lot of good story. I, you know, at the time, it was kind of funny and weird, and it was like I don't know if I if I tell people this, it probably seems kind of weird. Yeah, that's uh, not a good pickup line. No, not really. I mean, I mean, it will certainly draw a type. Well, yeah, <laughs> we saw some funny stuff in that cemetery too. It was uh, oh yeah, we saw some funny things showing up. Oh, I can you know, imagine when the sun is coming up, people are out there doing doing things <laughs> doing things <laughs> people are out there doing things you know uh, doing stuff in the graveyard no problem yeah so uh, but yeah that uh, i did that and i worked in the pike place market and oh cool which is really 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 cool is that the one where they throw the fish around yeah oh okay i've never been that that's great i've never been to the west coast so i gotta get my ass out there one of these days oh you should yeah seattle's Go in the summer, it's beautiful, but don't let it fool you into moving there. Okay. <laughs> everyone everyone visits in the summer and they're like, oh my God, this is paradise. Oh. And then uh, October comes and then it's like, you know, it's, it's just like, it's like the lettuce section in the grocery store where it's just like this constant mist that's falling on everything oh. for like eight months. Uh, I had something like that when I lived in Alabama. It was just, but it wasn't mist. It was just humidity, heat oh, and humidity yeah. for like eight months of the year. It was gross. I had a job in sales. And so I would, I would be outside sales, knocking on doors all day long. And from my front door of my house to my car was maybe 20 feet. And I would walk outside. By the time I got to my car, my back would, and this is not, I'm not even exaggerating. We just covered in sweat. I, it's just I hate that. And then you got to go and talk <laughs> to people. I'm like, hey, yeah. how's it going? Pit stains. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I want to buy something from you. Yeah. Oh, my God. So how did you start getting into bands? I mean, was were you forming bands or were you? Uh... No, I didn't know anyone, man. Uh, you know, I I put some ads in what was called the Rocket Magazine back then. That was the that was the rag, you know. Okay. That was like the arts and entertainment, the edgy, like the Seattle you know, version of the Village that... Voice. Yeah. Okay. Where they would, they could use cuss words and stuff Ooh. in their articles. I was just like, I was, you know, that was, that was real edgy. Was badass. I was in, yeah. And I had put an ad in there when I still lived in Granite Falls and 
you know, played with a couple people, just whoever was brave enough to drive out to our house and jam in the little trailer with me. <laughs> Actually, back then, a girl showed up and she had her guitar. She called me and, and uh, I was just like, uh, you know, I was a kid and I grew up in a place where, you know, girls were not encouraged to do whatever they wanted, right. anything they wanted. And this girl called me and she was like, yeah, I'm into Slayer and Metallica. Oh. Do you want to jam? And I was just like, I guess so. You know, <laughs> and she, she showed up, she drove out and it was clear almost straight away. I had no business playing. She was so good. Really? Oh, cool. And uh, that was a, that was a really good experience for me because there were, <laughs> there weren't any other things happening that were going to teach me that lesson or educate me that that a chick could shred my fucking face off. Yeah. If only she knew you're going to be a grave digger at one point. Right. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I responded to some ads that, like I said, door closed after door closed after we'll call you. <sighs> and, um, I just would go out. I would go out, see shows. I didn't really know how to talk to folks. And then I, I finally, I saw a band, I ran into the drummer at the bar afterwards and he told me where he worked and he worked in West Seattle, which is where I lived. Okay. And, uh, he was like, yeah, our, our bass player is quitting. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this guy's work. Oh, wow. Cause he worked, he worked at a coffee cart, you know? Okay. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll find out what this espresso stuff is about. <laughs> <laughs> Changed your life. So, I I go there and totally lie to him and say, yeah, I'm a bass player. I, I play bass. And he was like, oh, well, here's a tape. Learn, uh, learn a couple songs. And I just learned. I wanted, I wanted to be in a band so bad. I just learned all the songs. I had to borrow a bass for my brother-in-law. Oh, wow. I, I was really nervous, but I really wanted the gig. And they were like, great, you're in the band. Wow. Just like that. And so... I did that for, I don't know, a year and a half or two years, Man. And, but wanted to do some more stuff. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the band that I dreamt about being in, but it was great that like those guys remain my friends to this day. Oh, that's great. Um, and I learned so much just about playing gigs, about gig etiquette, about, ah. Do you know what I mean? Those are things that no one tells you. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe kids now, you know, they go to school of rock and they're like, all right, get your <laughs> make a pedal board. Don't go up there and set your pedals up one by yeah. one, you know, make a, <laughs> make a pedal board, bring it up there, have all your cables ready. Yeah. Don't take your cymbals down on stage. <laughs> That'll get you kicked in the ding ding. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that people, you know, yeah, don't maybe seem obvious when you don't understand what a 15 minute set change is or whatever. Yeah. Well, now there's YouTube videos for all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could, I could be a, uh, I could be a journeyman influencer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to find and listen to as much of the your discography as I could. Cause I, was, oh. I like going back and trying to and hearing the progression. It's always fun for me, but I couldn't 
find any videos or any music for L.A. Lambs. When L.A. I, Lambs? Yeah. The LA I don't Lambs. know what that is. Man, this is the second time this has happened. All right, so it says L.A. Lambs. It's on Discogs. That's as really? showing as your first credit. L.A. Lambs on the album A Little Lost. Let me pull it up here. Oh, you know, there's another, here's something really funny. There's another guy named Mike Squires. And and this poor guy, he gets tagged in so many things on Instagram <laughs> because his handle is at Mike Squires and mine is at the Mike Squires because he had, he had already, you know, he had joined before I did. Yeah, yeah. So... This, we're talking. He's and he's a musician. He's like a, a rapper and a hip hop producer. Oh wow! And uh, a real go getter. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I did find a baseball player named Mike Squires too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think played for Chicago. Yeah, I believe so. But yeah. this this is same time frame, nineteen ninety seven, and it's huh. garage rock, alternative, experimental, and it's. The band is called L.A. Lambs. The album's called A Little Lost. And I couldn't find it anywhere, but I did. I do know now how to uh, shear and castrate a lamb. Oh, wow. I wonder YouTube. if I recorded on something back then and I don't just don't even remember. Uh, let me. Let me Does I'll, it say where it was recorded? It says lead guitar and bass. Mike Squires, vocals, drums, keyboard, bass and guitar. L.D. Anderson and vocals, percussion, bass, guitar, and keyboards, Laura A. And oh. that's as much information as I have on it. But apparently you did a cover of Tomorrow Never Knows. It's on oh, Death no. and Taxes. Nah, that, I don't think that's me. That's crazy. That's the second time yeah. this has happened. That's pretty good. First was Ken Andrews, actually, which was oh, really? a little bit embarrassing. But I kept it oh, in. Is it? I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I talking like, hey, what is this band? You're like, it's something. It's called something like the Wonder Girls or something. And I'm like, you did a cover of, uh, God, I don't even remember what it was. It's like some like super tramp or something. Something weird. And he's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's like some group you're in with. It shows you Scott Weiland and all these other people. And he's like. I never did that. I was like, well, it's on Discogs. It's linked right to your, your profile. He's like, I know, I know the guy who runs Discogs. I'm going to call him after this and we'll get this straightened out. <laughs> I wonder if that's one of those weird, there was this weird thing that was happening. I know people can hack and do this and that, and you can probably tag stuff on Discogs, but possibly for a while, my Spotify was hacked. And so I would, be listening to whatever I was listening to and all of a sudden just some like crunky mumble rap would come <laughs> on and it and I would push stop and I would close the app and restart it and start my song again and then it would happen again oh wow and so I eventually had to go in and change my password really that's yeah. so weird and so I think what would happen is people, you know, people would pay some skeezy person to to go in and just like run up their numbers on their plays. I don't doubt and that. And they they would hack people's Spotify accounts to do it. Oh man, I heard, I heard the best way to get your stuff going is to put your playlist on bands you like, maybe who uh, need a little bit more exposure, and then just 
put it on right before you go to bed and then just let it play for like eight hours and people get their, <laughs> their, their stream bumped up a little bit. Is that how sleeping. that works? I think so. I think that's what people are doing. Like wow. It, I think that's that's the only way to explain some of this crap that gets really popular. But so Get off I, my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go past L.A. Lambs. Um, yeah. So, so Nevada Bachelors, was, your, was that your first recording experience then? No, that band that I joined, that I lied my way into, I, I recorded with them oh, cool. uh, playing bass. That band was called Eat the Feeling. And it was kind of like a jam band. It was kind of grungy, clean guitars with like envelope filter leads and wah-wah and oh, wow. a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of music happening. <laughs> a lot going on. There was a lot of there was a lot of music happening, and some like uh, yarly kind of quasi folk yarl vocals. Oh. And, it, and it rocked sometimes. It wasn't like heavy. It was you know I wasn't I wasn't in helmet, right? You know, <laughs> but or I wasn't in Jesus Lizard or even you know Fire Hose, which I would have loved. Oh God, but, yeah. We made a record. That was my first recording experience. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and then between that and Nevada Bachelors, just demo recordings. So how did you get into Nevada Bachelors? That I had quit playing music. Completely? Yep. Wow. I was just like, I'm 25 and I haven't made it yet. I'm going back to school. Okay. So I quit playing music and I lasted... Uh, you know, like two or three weeks at community college. And I was like, this, this is not for me. And, you know, I guess there was that part of me that was like, well, I'm 25 and I haven't made it. I guess I'm not talented. Maybe there's something else I can do in music. Okay. And so I started sort of like, I'll put this in air quotes, managing Nevada bachelors, which was a three piece band friends of mine. And, um, so I was like booking and managing them. And then they were going to make a record and they, that might be the only band that I was ever asked to join actually. Oh, really? That I didn't like ask my way into. Yes. See that, that Squire's DNA, man. That's yeah. being, getting, <laughs> it's, getting your way into the, into these bands, forcing your way in, man. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a sturdy stop. It is. <laughs> uh, so I had been in the band for a month when we made that record, the first record, Carrots and so on. Okay. And, uh... And I'd only been playing guitar for a month. Oh, wow. You know, I, I didn't even own a guitar. I, I traded my bass for a guitar so that I could oh, have a guitar to be in that band. Oh, wow. Jeez. 
to Dr Doug, the drummer of Eat the Feeling, who still has that bass, and I still am trying to get it back from him. It's a, it's a 77 Music Man Stingray. Oh. It's fucking wow. a beast. I I've borrowed it a couple times, but oh. it's great. So um, you, it wasn't, you, you didn't trade it for a Jackson, right, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So, yeah, we made that record, you know, did a bunch of gigs. And then Jason Finn from the President's United States of America joined the band. Oh, wow. and we made another record. Um, we made that we made that first record with Johnny Sangster, who is a, a great producer in Seattle. Also killer guitar player, singer. Oh, really? Um, he ended up having a band with Rob, the singer of Nevada Bachelors. And uh, he worked at Egg, which is Conrad Uno's now, you know, gone studio. Oh, which oh. tons of legendary records. Yeah. Uh, everyone recorded there. Young Fresh Fellows, Posies, Fastbacks. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Mud Honey. Yeah, I'm one of those geeks that reads all the liner notes. <laughs> so that record was recorded at Egg. And then the second record we recorded with Martin Fevier at Jupiter. That record's called Hello Jupiter, because yeah. that's what he would say. It sounded like your dog just exploded when he hit the ground. <laughs> he jumped off my lap. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go over here and smell the door. I just, it sounded like he exploded <laughs> as soon as he hit the floor. <laughs> we have exploding but, dogs over here. It's a West Coast thing. Well, you're in the East Coast now. Yeah. It's definitely it's a New an York aggressive thing. East Coast thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was um, listening to to Nevada Bachelors, and one of the coolest songs is I love the half song Matador. Oh, that song it's is pretty funny. The lyrics awesome. are so ridiculous. They are. They're great. And it, it, I'm not uh, sure how how uh, Mitzi and Darius segued into into that. I'm not sure if, they, if there's a reason the two are together, but it's just... we just had these two short songs, and we were like, well, the you know, like on uh, Abbey Road, they had all those songs. He had song the two songs like uh, came in through the bathroom window, and like the songs that would kind of like yeah. overlap or whatever. Yeah, like the minute and a half and, long. And so we thing. just kind of did that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, okay. We played a reunion show, two reunion shows in Seattle, you know, like a week before everything shut down in 2020. Oh, wow. Oh, that's mid awesome. February. Yeah. I mean, how did that end? Because the next thing you're in is Alien Crime Syndicate and the song Ozzy cracked me up. So, yeah, that's another well, another song with a great sense of humor.
so that band was cruising along. The second record came out. We played a couple shows, and I joined Harvey Danger. Oh, so that and, was before Alien Crime Syndicate? Yeah, for oh, okay. a while, Harvey Danger, Alien Crime Syndicate, and, and Loaded were all happening at once, which was a pretty great feeling. That's amazing. Three great and relatively varied gigs for me. This sort of like, I felt like I was getting all my yayas out. That's, like I was, yeah. I was able to do all of the things. And there are different... Alien Crime Syndicate, it's like a... It's like a cross between Weezer and the Scorpions or something, you know? <laughs> yes. It's three completely different sounds in those bands. Yeah. So I think Rob, the singer of The Bachelors, was bummed that I that I was going to go away on tour. But, our, you know, our band was never going to go on tour. He had a lot of responsibilities, just raising a child and... <sighs> He had a mortgage and, you know, none of us had any of those kinds of responsibilities, but yeah. I wanted to go on tour. I wanted to do all everything. And I, you know, it was, it was kind of like one of those situations, like my first band where it was like, well, this isn't doing everything that I wanted that I need to do. So I, I don't want to quit, but I'm going to do more other things yeah. also. Sounds reasonable. Um, but it didn't work, you know, it didn't, wasn't well received. And so the band broke up. Oh, wow. And yeah, the band broke up just like, you know, two or three months after our record came out, which was uh. a drag. And I was really heartbroken. And, you know, and Rob and I are on great terms and, uh, you know, whatever. We've, yeah, that's all well past us. But I, I wasn't going to, I couldn't sit around on my hands, but also I had a national tour to go on with Harvey danger, and, right? With Harvey danger. So my first real national tour was on a bus and flying around and playing festivals. Wow. And it was crazy. It's, it's a great way to break in. I, I, again, I was just really, I was fortunate I talked my way into that. You know, I just heard that there was an opportunity. I said, I can do that. If you need a guy, I'm your guy. And this was I'll after their hits on the flagpole city. That This was for the second record. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we flew down to LA, made a big video and I don't, you know, did all the things that I wanted to do. That's awesome. Super awesome. <laughs> And then I heard Alien Crime Syndicate needed a guitar player, and Nabil was a drummer in that band. He owned a record store called Sonic Boom in Seattle. Oh, nice. And he's the president of Beggar's Banquet now. Is he? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. No, he's like, he's, he's got it all worked out. He's, that... he's, he's doing a good job. Nice. He was like, yeah, we lost our guitar player, and I was like, I'll do it. And just like everyone, they laugh at me. They're like, oh, yeah, sure. I was like, no, really. I can learn your songs and I could play a show next week without a rehearsal. Wow. And that's Man. something that I think that I can I could do with, with a lot of bands. And that's what funny. I came to realize, what I came to learn a lot later is that that's kind of how a lot of people operate. But I had never 
been exposed to that kind of high wire act, you know. Oh, man. Is that how you got in with Duff too? Uh yeah, but I I didn't I never had the opportunity to say directly to him like I'm your guy. And I don't know if I would have been so bold, but the guy that recorded the second Nevada Bachelors record, Martin Fevier, he was making a record with Duff and Jeff Redding, who was the drummer, the original drummer in Loaded. You know, I kept hearing about this record that was being made and how they were going through guitar players and not, you know, they couldn't find someone that they wanted to have in the band. And I said to Jeff, like, hey, what about me? And he was like, uh, you know, because he knew me as like the Harvey Danger guy. Yeah. And the Nevada Bachelors guy and the bass guy. And I was like, I can I can do that. Like I learned Appetite for Destruction in the 11th grade front to back like wow. i can do it and Man. he's like well it's, it's not really like guns and roses bro so and i was like <laughs> don't care i can i i'll i can do it like you should have me in and and he was like we'll, we'll think about it but then i just called martin at the studio and I was like, let me have a crack. And even Martin was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when they let me come down there, somehow, uh, you know, Martin is really easy to work with. He's amazing. And so he has always been able to, I've made a number of records with him and he's always been able to pull really good stuff out of me, or at least the best that I can give out of me. <laughs> and so, you know, I have, I have him to thank for whatever I put on that record. And so I, I spent, you know, an hour and a half there and played on two or three songs, wrote parts and, and performed on two or three songs. And then Duff called me, you know, the next week when he heard the stuff, I, you know, it was like one of those classic situations. I didn't think it was really him. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, click. Fuck you. Fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, that was that. I mean, we played some local, like tiny local shows. And then like two months later, we were doing an arena tour in Japan. It was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I, was just, I was again, just once again, I was on top of the world doing crazy stuff that I just never, I wanted to, I dreamt and I fantasized about it. And, you know, all the Harvey Danger stuff, that was all very cool. Most of it was there were club shows for the most part. Right. There were some festivals and, and those were great, but there's something very much different about playing in an arena or in a theater because those look like the from stage photographs yeah. on the gatefolds of records. Yeah. And the, and when you see that image in, in real life, it triggers all of those emotions uh, you know that you had as a kid looking at those records and uh, none of that stuff was ever lost on me oh that's uh, awesome it was like the hair on my arm standing up <laughs> talking about it right now it's, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool that is awesome and so yeah loaded is is you know not broken up there we're inactive obviously but you know i've done so so much cool stuff because of that band in particular. So goodbye, my dear old friend. It's all quiet on Mother's Day. Your baby's grown 
is. So at any time, Duff could call him like, hey, I got some songs. Let's let's uh, put something together. Uh, I mean, he knows I'm available. I talk to him regularly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I'm saying that's awesome a lot in this segment here. But it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so cool. It, I mean, it doesn't sound like you ever actually did a tour in a, a crammed in a, in, a, in a van or anything. Alien Crime Syndicate did plenty of uh, van tours, and and Long Winters, <laughs> I did a van tour with them. Oh, that's right, Long Winters, um, yeah. yeah. But Alien Crime Syndicate crisscrossed this country in a van and van and trailer, and Man. you know, with our old van with no air conditioning in the East Coast summer. So you have Just, done it all. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And we, I mean, we didn't even really touch on Long Winters. I know we're getting a little short on time. I want to get to uh, a couple other things here. But was, was Long Winters the uh, same situation where you insisted you could do it? Or were you actually asked to do that one? Or So John Roderick, the leader of, of who is the Long Winters, he, I lied his way into Harvey Danger also. <laughs> uh, because... They needed a keyboard player, uh, and uh, I was like, hey, uh, Sean's going to call you and ask you if you can play keyboards. Just tell him, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's, of course, a much more capable keyboardist now, but then he was, he was pretty bad. He was like, he was learning, and he was, and Jeff, the guitar player, is, is like a, uh, a trained he was like a child prodigy pianist and violinist with wow. perfect pitch oh and so you know as annoying as our out of tune like knuckle dragging rockness was to him he was also a little bit annoying to us and when he'd be like hey your g string is a little sharp Oh. And then, I, but he really has perfect pitch. I could play a note and be like, "Oh yeah, Smarty Pants, what's this?" And he'd be like, "That's a high C sharp." Oh, be like, oh, you fucker! <laughs> um, he's like, "But it's a little flat." Oh. <laughs> he could sometimes like give you how many cents flat it was. It was really, uh, it was very strange, insane. but when that band sort of came to an end john decided he was going to start a band and he came over to my house a couple times and we worked on the song scent of lime which i on that first record eventually i played guitar and bass on First things I, I remember hearing is the um, the uh, they might be giants cover. Oh yeah, so cool. it was on that one. Yeah, that was really cool. I don't even. I played a bongo solo on that. <laughs> I played a fucking bongo solo on that. Yeah. I, oh, that's that's great. my my lone percussion credit. <laughs> is that on Discogs? I gotta uh, I gotta get a hold of Ken and get the number for the guy at Discogs. Oh, let, let me see. I, I can pull up. Let's see. Um, yes, bass. 
congas and harmony vocals, it says. Yeah. Nice. That sounds right. John came over, we worked on that song. I tracked on on that song for the record. I think originally Joe Skyward played bass on that song. Okay. And someone else played drums, and then Jason Finn and I, Jason from The Long Winter, or from uh, Nevada Bachelors and Presidents, we were the rhythm section, and then I went back and did guitar on it. Joe Skyward was in the posies and sky cries mary and also was in sunny day real estate oh really oh man i was like sky cries mary that was good band yeah i want to find okay when did podcasting start to get its claws into you because you mentioned at the very beginning that you never really even wanted to do a podcast and my i was very similar in my i kind of got forced to do a podcast and it just hasn't stopped ever since during or immediately after sort of the dissolve of the lineup of Harvey Danger that included me, John, and and everyone else, John and Sean were talking about recording conversations they were going to have and post them on the internet. And I was like, you guys sound like pretentious assholes. Who wants to listen to you talk? This was like 2002 or three, you know? Wow. And they were very forward thinking. No kidding. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. (laughs) And then podcasts start to grow and I'm like, oh, huh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And then I guess I, again, I never wanted a podcast when I started doing couch trips. I wanted it to be this like lo-fi couch talk show where we play, uh, you know, and the earliest things that I made approached what I wanted to wanted it to be okay but it wasn't exactly so i just you know i wanted to sit on a couch with someone and have a conversation like it was a uh, some kind of knuckle dragging talk show and right. and get a chance to play a cover to a backing track with my guest and the whole music part of it that was going to be like a one take thing right yeah all of those things every single one of them that was the first take period god i love that that was the thing because you know i originally i started doing it by myself and i'm not like i'm not a great musician and anything that i'm physically capable of doing musically capable of it's only because i i have worked really hard like it it did not come naturally and still, when I, I, I listen to myself, because I, I record myself so much, I'll listen back and just think, ah, I never go back and fix anything. I just, I'm like, all right, well, there's, that's a learning lesson. Yeah. I need, you know, I either have to learn how to live with the humanity of it, the flaws, or I have to work harder or find, it's been very therapeutic to me. Yeah. You know, that's the whole great. thing. But all of those things, first take. 
Yes. And you'd be surprised. Like people were nervous. Like, you know, professional musicians. I can I can nervous. see that though, because you know, first take, man. Even if you are a pro, first take is scary. Look, if you were on national television, you you know, if it was like if you were on Letterman or whatever, it, that's it. That's like true. here you go. And that's you know, I wanted it to kind of be like that. That is awesome. And you've got some amazing stuff now. Young Turks was a big one for you. William Duvall, holy crap! I had no idea he could do he could he could pull off a Rod Stewart like that. Holy, he's crap. amazing, right? He was so good. That was incredible. I gotta say, I also love. Why can't this be love? Oh yeah, that's an amazing Hagar impersonation too. And lay it down, an amazing Stephen Piercy. Oh yeah, that's those, uh, Stephen McSwain, my buddy Steve McSwain. Those are amazing tracks. I mean, I haven't had a chance to listen to every single one of them yet, but I'm going to because just on the ones that I've heard, they just blow me away. Easy Lover, another really cool track, and they're they're not your standard songs like i'm a huge jeff buckley fan so everybody here wants you are you picking the songs or the the is, how is it how is it like you're getting f- three or four or five people together and picking s- an unusual track like everybody I, here wants you they all of the projects start in a number of different ways i have i have between 10 and 15 of these things going at any given time <laughs> i'm working on 12 now i'm sitting on three that are done two are done and edited one is a great big 10 minute long uh, charity video it's a yes song that has like six 16 people in it it's it's pretty over the top oh man Um, and uh the other one comes out next week yeah so it starts a number of different ways it might just be a conversation with one just one other person and we'll just start talking about fun songs yeah I, you know I'm, I'm big on on like that 1991 sort of uh <laughs> r&b like pop r&b i love that shit oh really i love all of it oh wow. yeah that explains um, some of the song choices i saw on, on the on your page there well you have to understand you know, I, I'm sure that I would have been exposed to that music anyway if I had stayed in Granite Falls because it was on the radio. Although, I mean, you'd have to be listening to that radio station. But yeah. at that time, I was in the Marine Corps and I was in the barracks. And so there, the barracks, that's a, a melting pot, you know. And so I got exposed to a lot of different music from being in the Marine Corps, which is another benefit of of that. Okay. Of course, now we have the internet, so you don't have to worry about... And Spotify just throwing shit in your feet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But but it just starts with a conversation, and I have a wish list, playlist, 
on Spotify um, that I send to people. If there's an obvious thing, you know, sometimes it'll be a, a like conceptual, and I will want to to do an Edie Brickell song or you know whatever, <laughs> something like this. Okay. Just a, as a or an all indie rock band doing a Slayer song or something. But I think I think there's over seventy videos on my YouTube channel, which is when I saw that I it kind of snapped my head back yeah that's crazy oh I, yeah. I, I gotta go back and listen to it. i haven't had it like i said i haven't had a chance to listen to all of them but i'm just blown away by it and i'm just thrilled i cannot wait to hear this yes because I, I love yes i had john anderson oh. on the podcast once that was one of the uh oh really yeah oh dude he you know what was crazy about that we're talking he did live on the podcast he did this weird mongolian throat singing thing Oh, Tuvan throat singing. Yeah. He it's did like it on the podcast for me. Two-tone singing. Yeah. He did it. I, oh, wow. Which, you know, being falsetto, it's kind of weird. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but the, the, the problem was that he was in this big room. He's got this big, huge room full of instruments and stuff. And it was, a, it was super live. So the entire, his entire channel is full of echo and <laughs> reverb. And like, right. Oh, this isn't this is the best sounding audio. It's so cool. I'm talking to John Anderson, but I wish I could get a little better audio. <laughs> out of this. My hope is to get yes to officially endorse this video. It's a chair. It's a charity video for roadie relief. Okay. And there are like, there's 16 people in it. Greg Gilmore's in it. Oh God. I love um, Janet Weiss and quasi um, Don, my, my mixer. I mean, Alex Skolnick, Steve Stevens. Um, there's there Richard Fortis from Guns N' Roses. Wow. Um, there, there are a lot of people in this video. So, that video will come out and we will open up slots for people to donate money directly to roadie relief. And then I will send them stems for the song and they will record a part of the song and film themselves. And I'll cut and mix them into a version of the video for themselves. Wow. Pretty That's cool. Amazing. So it's kind of like a rock and roll fantasy camp. Yes. But you know, if you if you want to sing with Steve Stevens, or you want to play bass, you know, with Greg Gilmore, or you know, whatever. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're coming out with your first solo album. Or is it? Yeah. But it's so weird. <laughs> it's very strange. It yeah. is so bizarre. I love it. I didn't realize exactly what it was when I heard it. I had no idea. It was the, the digital version, 15, 15 second songs. Yeah. How did that concept come about? So we were living, my wife and I, we were living in Brooklyn and that's where I started Couch Rift. So we bought a house up in the Hudson Valley four years ago. Okay. And uh, that's or th three years ago. And that's when I started doing the podcast because all of a sudden it became very difficult to get people to come over and sit on the couch, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's that. Then also, you know, my wife was still working in the city a lot. And, and you know, she's working in the city this week. Okay. So I'm just kind of, that's, that's how I can... I can sort of like double down and, and get a bunch of extra work done. So 
I just, you know, I didn't have much to do. I would come home from work, I would pick up the acoustic guitar, and I would start trying to learn songs. And it's all documented on my Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, you know, whatever the little, you know, the things you can save in the little circles under oh, your profile. The reel? Is it reels? They're reels, but they're like, you know, some kind of saved uh, series of reels. Yeah, the little, like you said, the little circle things. Okay. Yeah. God, we're old. Yeah. They're all, yeah, we sound we, we sound really hip. <laughs> uh, click that little big circle thing. Fucking hipsters. Um, so you can see all of them there for and all, all of all warts and all. Me trying to play guitar and sing <laughs> fucking you know big star songs and terry reed songs oh, and wow. basically songs i have no business trying to sing <laughs> and i was like maybe i should try and you know but basically because they're those clips in the reels are only 15 seconds long right yeah uh it just was a pain in my ass i hate it like if it was 47 seconds it'd be three 15 second things and then this two second thing and i'm just add right. enough that i just i can't have that <laughs> can't have that i can't have two seconds just like dangling out there in the in the space right so i would go in then i would cut that off and so eventually that frustration just morphed into me writing 15 second songs and they were ridiculous songs i mean they're all songs that ended up here like truck nuts i'd had a whole series of songs about truck truck related things and redneck related things because i although granite falls is a is a decidedly redneck place it had been a long time since i was like back home so to speak okay yeah so you know i had I had a song called like Bedliner and Rednecks Running Weed Eaters After Dark and uh, <laughs> Truck Nuts, which made the record. Yeah. Yeah, but most all of the songs are documented there. That was the first version okay. of all of these songs. And then I, I thought, I should just demo these and see. I should demo a couple of these. And then and I did, and, and I liked the way they sounded. I and I used a lot, you know, like uh, programmed drums and and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll record a bunch of them and I'll put them on a record. And then the concept just sort of snowballed, right? Yeah. So, and it eventually turned into, I mean, every, there's nothing about this project that I haven't over considered from the title. <laughs> oh yeah. From the title to the box that I ship it in is print. I have a custom printed box that I ship the book. Wow. Because, uh, you know, the record, you have the digital version, but which has got four extra songs. Yes. The, uh, the physical version is, it's on a flexi disc. That's awesome. You're old enough that you remember flexi disc. Oh yeah. The only one that I have left is an old Holly and the Italians flexi disc. <laughs> I, I, that's the only thing I have. I think the rest of them disintegrated. I think I have like a, a Greg Howe one that oh. I got out of a, out of a guitar magazine. <laughs> Or it, may, it might be Steve Vai, it might be Blue Powder, one of those, oh, you know, wow. like 
passion and warfare. Um, so yeah, it just, you know, all of the songs are super derivative of either a specific genre or a specific band. Yeah, they're all different. You know, basically, they're all different genres. All 15 tracks sound completely different. Because conceptually, I wanted it to play through like you were on stories. That's what it's called. Instagram stories. Yeah. And it's just like blasting past you 15 seconds after 15 seconds, right? Right. So... I wanted to make this record be reflective of how we take media in on a daily basis. So we're just staring at our phone and it's just like blasting past us, right? Yeah. But if you drop your phone like that, is that, is it real? Like if your yeah. phone is dead, uh, <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, right? <laughs> so I wanted to create this piece of art that was the physical realization of an Instagram feed. Wow. So these 15 second songs, it's funny because, you know, if you have a favorite song, you can't, you can't put the needle on the little record. <laughs> I, um, I wanted people to see it. I wanted people to, you know, I didn't want it to sit on a shelf. So I made it eight inches by eight inches. So <laughs> it, you can't, you can't put it in with your seven inch records because it's too big right. and then it's it's too awkward to really go on the bookshelf and so it's kind of got to stay out on your coffee table or on it. the top of your record player that's a brilliant it's idea of, it's inside of a book so the flexi disc comes inside of a book the book cover is one of my favorite is like a complete straight lift of one of my favorite albums uh, it's called then play on by Fleetwood Mac. Okay, yeah. I've been threatening for years to paint myself onto that white horse that, <laughs> you know. And so I finally did it. Uh, my friend Rick Clue did that for me. Great. I posed nude for him. Nice. To, to, so that he could get my tattoos accurate. He was like, hey, could you send me some pictures of your tattoos? Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, uh, Matthew Southworth did all of the illustrations. So inside the book, there's an illustration for every song, a square illustration. And then on the opposing page of the book, there's the song title and all the lyrics, which is a lot of times just the title of the song. Right. Yeah. Because you can, there's not a lot of words. No. <laughs> 15 seconds yeah. It doesn't give you a whole lot of and, wiggle room. And then like, a, you know, an overexcited, usually a pretty overexcited story explaining, overexplaining, basically oversharing. <laughs> I wanted it to be very reflective of people's social media. So it's like an LP version of social media. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it an LP, but, e but it's e a... It's, yeah. Is that an LP? I mean, it's 15 tracks, but they're only... It's like... Perhaps it's a TP. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a double double because of the number two and T for tiny. Ooh, I like it. Tiny player tiny. or BP brief player. Okay, but the the, the the title number two record is also you know Big Star has number one record, so that was yes. taken, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't very well call it. Although I've considered making my next record where I just all the songs have the same titles as very, very famous songs. Uh, 
I think Neil Young was going to do that awesome. once. Well, didn't, uh, wasn't Neil Young going to do that once, like in the 70s? In the, yeah, like the late 70s. I don't know. I think that's where his I song mean, Little Wing came from, because it's... it's <laughs> Neil Young's got a song called Little Wing, and it has I, nothing to do with the Hendrix song. What if my second record was just called The Eagles' Greatest Hits? Ooh. Number, number one record. <laughs> <laughs> also, just sort of, you know, people... I don't know. People don't treat music super well. I no. don't think. No, not anymore. Musicians and music. It's just so cat. It's just throwaway. And yeah. so that's why I put it on a flexi disc. And that's why I called it number two, man. Everything's multi-layered. I thought I, I've had a I've had a lot of time to think. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this in my podcast, I usually include like thirty second clips of songs and life lesson. Okay, life lesson number one is my favorite song oh. on the album, and if I follow my normal format, I can play that song twice. Life will teach you lessons if you listen. You could you could play more than one song if you wanted to. <laughs> I love that song. I think it's I think it's really good. I think that, that's definitely my favorite on the album. It it cracked me up. And as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. And then before I knew it, the whole thing was over. I was like, wait, wait, I need more. It's only it's been it hasn't even been five minutes. Right. You think it's gonna be some kind of like Mata Hoople uh <laughs> you know thing <laughs> and it's just not i thought maybe i had it like the downloaded had been corrupted or something <laughs> you thought you had the samples yeah like the old uh, like the itunes yeah oh my god yeah we uh you, or the amazon when you click the play and it plays you like 30, 10 seconds of a song i did that once one of my favorite bands is 16 horsepower and, oh yeah and i they had their album Secret South came out and they had a song Way they do a cover of Wayfaring Stranger and there's like a 15 second clip where it's just kind of it's silence it just kind of sounds like wind and that's the part that they put on for the sample <laughs> so, it's like how did you get into 16 horsepower they're from Denver Denver yeah oh well back before when their first EP Haw came out yeah I used to read the guitar magazines religiously. I'd get them all, and I, I was trying to teach myself how to play guitar very badly. So I would get the tabs and just play along. I was never yeah. disciplined enough to keep up with it. But I read a review. I'd read all the reviews to see what was coming up. And I read a review of the Haw EP, and it sounded amazing. So I went and I just bought it. And yeah. I've been a f huge fan ever since. I love cool any, band. anything David Eugene Edwards does, I'm in. You mean yeah, cool that, band. That, that album he did with Alexander Haka, I've got. Um, I've got every sixteen horsepower release. I'm still missing like two woven hand releases, but I've got the uh, I've got all the the weird crap he's done, and I got to see. This is cool. I got to see him play live twice in one evening when I was living in New Jersey. He was playing in Philly on Halloween. He was opening for Grantley Buffalo. Oh wow! So I went. To, it was at Theater of Living Arts in Philly. Yeah. 
I was going to go and I don't even know how I found this out because I don't think it could order. I don't know if I ordered tickets ahead of time and they sent a letter that the uh, venue had changed. So went to Philly and it was at from the theater of living arts to this place called the Pontiac grill. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I go to the Pontiac grill and there is a letter on the door saying the venue has been changed back to the theater of living arts. But if you bring your ticket, 16 horsepower is going to play here after the show, bring your ticket and you get in for free. Wow. So I went and I saw 16 horsepower open up for Grantley Buffalo. I love Grantley Buffalo. So that was one of the, an amazing show afterwards. And I'm by myself. I'm like 22 right. years old, walking around in, in Southeast Philly all by myself on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and I w- walk down to the Pontiac Grill, and I sit, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy, you can't really do anything, so I'm just sitting there like this, going, this, this is awesome. I can't, I can't move, because this place is packed. Saw them play live twice in one night, and walked back to my car in the middle of the night in Southeast Philly, and drove an hour and 20 minutes back to my house. So Wow. You know, my plan with my podcast is to tour it. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. I really would like to tour the podcast. And the concept, the idea is that I do the conversation in front of an audience Mm -hmm. and then assemble a patchwork band from the local pool of talent and hopefully try to keep it, you know, mixed up. It's similarly and perform five or six songs and then peace out. That is awesome. It would be pretty fun. I would go to that show. That would be fantastic. You know, if if the guest was local to a town, they, you know, they would have a draw and maybe that would be an interesting thing for people to want to come and see. I would still audio and video capture everything and I would still be able to share it to YouTube that way. That's a fantastic idea. I love that. And I know a lot of other podcasts do tours, but there's mostly like comedy podcasts and all yours is definitely comedic but it's interview so it's conversational yeah exactly exactly which is exactly what i try to do with mine too so it's i I don't like peppering people with questions i just want i want back and forth and speaking of that listening to one of the podcasts you did i do have a question how how is your theme song jacket coming along oh i was just trying to explain theme song jacket to someone today Theme, uh, let's see. I have some of the components of Theme Song Jacket here. Oh, I have uh, an iPod Nano. I still have mine. And uh, I I ordered that on uh, eBay. I have (laughs) these are tiny little waterproof flat speakers they're they're kind of like coins oh wow and so I'll, I'll sew those into the liner of a jacket and then i have somewhere here my desk is kind of a mess um there's um there's a little power amp like a class d five watt power amp and that will go inside of an altoids box <laughs> and then it'll be wired into this jacket and then when you walk into a room, you can push play and your theme song will play like, you know, like in the movie, let people know. Yeah. I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. The first 
I started a theme song jacket Instagram and I only follow Jason Finn because I'm, I'm making the first theme song jacket for him. Oh, nice. His girlfriend is going to steal one of his jackets out of his closet and send it to me nice. so that I can do the appropriate <laughs> technological <laughs> modifications. <laughs> this is a very highly sophisticated theme song jacket technology. It is. It's, it's groundbreaking. Yeah. I love the idea. I know I've, I'm a God, let me see. I think I've kept you. Yeah. I've kept you pretty long here. We're, we're going over the, the time that, uh, you I know you've got a recording you got to get ready for and you got to walk your dogs and all that stuff. So I've got, I've got my first interview for, uh, April's drummer awareness month. Oh, who you get? This isn't going to come out for a few weeks. So who, who's coming on? Oh, first guest, William Goldsmith. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Pretty good. All right. So last question about the podcast. Have you had a guest that was kind of intimidating to you? You're friends with a lot of, of the, your podcast guests, but like, okay, for example, I know John Oates was one that, God, I'd, I'd love Hall Oates. They're just amazing. You guys seem to get along great, but was there anybody that, that was kind of intimidating to, to reach out to or have on? I was really, the funny thing about that one in particular, I was like, fuck, what do I talk to him about? Yeah. I, so, because I was like, everyone loves Hall and Oates. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I am going to read, I'm going to listen to his audio book and he yeah. narrates it. Oh, cool. And so I already had a, at least an audible familiarity with him. And mm -hmm. so it kind of put me, and so that's one, I learned a valuable lesson when I did that podcast because I was nervous. Yeah. It's fucking John Oates. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, I listened to his audiobook, And so that's what I've gone and done for a lot of folks. I've listened to their audiobook, and it puts me a little bit at ease, which is hearing their voice and interacting with, with them. But, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about every single guest I have. Like, yeah. Am I going to fuck this one up? I always feel unprepared. No matter how much I prepare for somebody, I, f I feel unprepared. And I'm last minute. I'm always scrambling. What's, what's one thing that I didn't pick up that, cause I going back, I try to listen to interviews that they've done in the past. So I'm not rehashing the same questions that they always get asked. So. Well, a lot of the, I don't know the I, I'm back and forth on that. Okay. Just because I also want the vibe to be sort of like someone is a fly on the wall of you meeting someone at a party. Yes. And you're getting to know them because yeah. that's when questions come up that like, you'll see a small window of opportunity. Someone say something about, you know, whatever. Like you talking about photography, if, if you were, if, if you were my guest, I would have gone way down that and just like pummeled you with photography questions <laughs> because I'm, I'm, cause I have no eye for that shit. Right. You know, and that's maybe not what people came to hear, but it's what they're going to hear if they stick around. And yeah. to me, it's fun and hopefully it's interesting to other folks. If not, that's okay. There's, you know what? There's a lot of podcasts. Exactly. Did you know there was a lot? I've heard there's a, there's a, a few, a couple hundred. There's, 
at least. Yeah, at least <laughs> hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yes. hear music is still pretty, uh, kind of an untapped. True crime is big, but I, music is kind of an untapped, <laughs> untapped uh, <laughs> media genre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, man, this has oh. been awesome. Where can people pick up the album? The Flexi Disc oh, is yeah. still available, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bandcamp. Bank. Uh, that's the only place it's available. You do not go to any streaming service expecting to find this because <laughs> I did not put it on any streaming services. And if you purchase the album, you have the option to get the digital version. The digital version also comes as a single audio file. So it plays the entire record all the way through. That's the only way that it comes. <laughs> that's that's, that was a artistic choice. And you know, that's how I want you to enjoy it. It is, uh, it is a glimpse into the future. If we're all not a little bit more careful, if we don't all get up and go out for walks and, and do things that our parents did. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? That's, and that's the hardest thing sometimes is, is get off your ass. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah. Bandcamp. that's where you can find it. Also it's, uh, the Mike Squires. Remember there's that other guy. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so if it sounds like hip hop, it's not me. So that's your social media handle is the Mike Squires. So people can yeah. follow you. Oh yeah. And now you mentioned coming out on going out on a tour this spring, late mid spring. Yeah, What's I'm going, going on? on tour and I'm going on tour in May. So who's I'm going to Europe and uh, traveling all through the UK and Europe, and I'm I'm super excited about it. Who are you touring with? I don't know. I I don't feel like I'm supposed to talk about it because it's okay. not my it's not my band. It's not loaded. Okay. It's not my band, and I don't. I th I might have let it slide before, and then I was like, I asked them, "Hey, how do you guys feel about me talking about going out with you know going out and playing with you guys?" Because I'm just like one of a number of of guitar players that fill in with this band. Okay. Um. And, you know, just out of respect, I was like, I, yeah. I probably shouldn't go, go around running my mouth about this. But it's a band that had a lot of hits in the 90s, in the early cool. 90s. And they had, they had big MTV videos, big singles. You would know who they are. It's not um, Eve 6. It's not Eve 6. <laughs> that would be amazing. Best Twitter, best Twitter to follow. It is. That guy's great. Man, Max is awesome. But... You know, it's all Europe and UK stuff. When and they okay. still kill it over there. And they have a new record that's great. So I'm, I'm just up to my neck learning 25 songs right now. When the time comes, when you hit out, are you going to be posting that on on the oh, socials? Oh sure, cool. So we'll know eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I'll t I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we're not recording. Okay, you got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all right, so we got that. We got socials done. We got Bandcamp. Well podcast what the it's couch riffs oh yeah and uh you got some new new episodes coming out couch, gonna, couch riffs is available in audio and video format so if people like to watch people talk you can find us on youtube <laughs> it shocks me how many views some of those things get uh, um i don't want to discourage people from doing it but well, watch maybe that's how how they 
listen to the playback. I, oh, I know. I'm just a fucking old dude. Yeah, but tell me about it. You find Couch Riffs, Couch Riffs there on YouTube, along with all the video performances that I've cut together. Which are and then uh, the audio, the, uh, thank you. The audio podcast is on all the, you know, it's in all the places. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much. I know we went over what we thought we would do, and you've got other stuff to record, so uh, thank That's you so much. That's how it always man. goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always goes. Like, th- thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm here waiting for you in the strangest home.